Welcome to the Next of the Hub, the TV series hub podcast. Join us to explore the entertainment galaxy in this new feature made with love from fans and for fans. If you like debates, neck talks, and to be well informed about TV and film, this is the podcast for you. From Nerds to Nerds. Hey everyone, welcome to another Nerdcast podcast. Today, our regular host is chasing Rollo through the woods near Fraser's Ridge, but don't worry, you have one of our Nerd podcast members, Leanne. Hello. And also Uber. Hey there. And I'm Heaven. So today we're going to be talking about season four of Outlander so far. As of the recording of this episode, we're on episode five of season four, and we're going to go through it a little bit and see what we think about it so far, and maybe a few predictions about what's going to happen in the second half of the season. So let's just go ahead and start from the beginning at episode one. Episode one is called America the Beautiful. Does anybody have any pressing comments about that that they want to start with? Stephen Bonnet. <laughs> you know, I put an expletive in between his first and last name in my notes. I don't know about you. <laughs> I, I, I am mentally screaming that expletive. And all I can think of, why did you take that? Couldn't you have taken the gold ring? I'm, I'm just saying. I thought the same thing. I thought the same thing. It's, you know. Out of the out of the two rings, the one that he got was the one, and I realized, you know, that her her husband is second husband, first husband, depending on how you look at it. Technically, is is dead, but you know, the one that Jamie Gator gave her was made out of a ring, and that was, I don't know, to me, that was more valuable to the heart. Absolutely. My pressing question is whether or not we will ever see Stephen Bonnet or that ring again. What do you think? Well, I think so. <laughs> I, I think so. I mean, I sort of, okay, here's the thing. I sort of was looking that question up on uh, on Google. I came across, spoiler alert, don't do that. Because. <laughs> Agreed. If anybody's listening right now, anything. do not Google what's going to happen because book readers know. <laughs> so so uh because i looked up one one thing just i was just wanting to know about the ring i got about 10 different answers about other things that were super spoilery and i'm like i can't i can't wash my mind from that it's still there oh no i know i know so now the answer is on the show i would be really really surprised if they didn't touch on some of the things that happen in the books because they are just too big. Uh, so I think short answer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My fingers are crossed, although I am not super excited to see Stephen Bonnet again as a character. I am excited to see him as a human because he is nailing that role, Ed Spielers. Right? right? I mean, I, I, how do I put this? I really like that I hate his guts. He is really, he, the actor is just nailing it. He's got the, the slimy, 
evil, wicked charm. He's a, he's handsome, but I want to punch him. I mean, how, how do you mix all this in a person? I don't know, but he's doing it very successfully. So I both really want to see him again, and I both really want to punch him in the face. <laughs> I think um, you're not the only one with that particular sentiment. <laughs> Well, I knew something was up with the way that he was acting with Claire when she was patching him up. But I I have not read the books, I'll admit it. So I didn't know what was coming. But as far as his acting, I mean, you're you're right, because he went from, okay, he's a little weird. Obviously, he's a felon. You know, he's not going to be totally right, but something is going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen by the way that he's acting. But when it happens, he does a 180 and he just turns completely evil, psychopathic almost. And I was like, what, what is this? What are you doing? Wait, no, wait, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know what, though? Uh, I, I what I loved about this thing that I hated was how it tied in to the general theme about rings. Because the episode started with Claire talking about rings, and then we saw the ring that the Indians were building, which is what would come on later in the season. Uh, so I like that sense of continuity. So there you go, and especially with the part with the, with the Cherokees and uh, seeing that that what was it was it a thousand years ago? I need to rewatch the episode, but wasn't it a thousand years ago? And how important that will be as the season progresses. That sounds right to me. And I mean, if the theme of ring like you mentioned continues that I would think that we will surely see him again because we need to come full circle (laughs) (laughs) well the the only things about um, episode one that really were important were you know you've got uh, the um, Jamie basically losing the last ties to his uh, his fellow inmates at Ardsmuir prison and uh, you've got we see that uh, uh, Marsley is very much with child, and uh, so that that was important. So we got we got some very important, I guess, pushpins uh, on this map for the season, uh, sort of mapping the way as to how things will go. Sort of very exciting, lots of promise, but oh yeah, there's the sort of Damocles hanging overhead of doom and gloom. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, speaking of doom and gloom, let's move right on to episode two, entitled "Do No Harm." Uh, As enough I loved was it, done with Bonnet. Loved it, loved it, and hated it. Um, you got, I mean, goodness, you have uh, Maria Dork. Kennedy, you can never say enough about her. She is always wonderful. Uh, uh, Auntie Jocasta, loved her. <laughs> Obviously, um, you know, seeing life on a plantation, it's, it's one of those weird things that we, uh, in this day and age, where we would go, how can you have a perfectly lovely person who thinks slavery is okay, but we have to take our brains back 200 years where that was sort of the norm? Uh, I don't understand that. I'm, I'm obviously, we're on Claire's side of this. That is just not not a thing. <laughs> you know, it's not, not something we could ever align ourselves with. And yet I, I feel that Jocasta is a good person. Um, but uh, a lot like Column in, in her deliberations, in her manipulations, uh, Column and Dougal, uh, essentially. Uh, but uh, she has the strength of will. Uh, and she tried to force that will in, a, in, a, in a many ways like Column did. Um, so it's sort of interesting how that same Mackenzie um, 
arrogance, uh, I guess, a same <laughs> sense of, of uh, entitled, you will do what I want you to do. I'm going to force you into my will. Right, because her bottom line was getting Jamie to do what she wanted him to do, and she wanted him to stay. Right. And she even tried to manipulate Claire by basically saying, you say that you love him, but if you loved him, then you would want what's best for him, and what's best for him is staying here. Well, maybe not, Auntie. Ooh, yeah, that was a very angering scene right there that you mentioned. And yeah. I also feel like it's important because my one of my big questions is also is Aunt Jocasta a good person or not? And there's so many things you have to consider, including they mention at some point how hard it is to even get through the laws to allow a human to not be a slave. And right. it sounds like it's damn near impossible to free somebody. Oh, no, it, it is impossible. The This is where justice and the law are not friends. Uh, justice would be, you know, uh, allowing it so people could, could uh, free, free slaves should they choose it. The law has been written in order to benefit those in power and to benefit a system that keeps that uh, power in place. And if you try to defy that system, you are you are done for. So, uh, I mean, they, men they mentioned in the episode, oh, yeah, other people have shared your sentiment and they are no longer with us, <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, my sense about Jocasta is that she's generally a good person, but I always have to put that caveat on there that it is a different time frame and they saw things differently. I just reject that viewpoint of uh, uh, obviously entirely um, – you know, that, that they felt that way. I'm with Claire on this one. But at the same time, I can see that she genuinely loved Jamie. She just didn't know Jamie. She loved who she wanted him to be, uh, but she didn't know him. And like Claire was like, look, you don't know who you're talking about. You, you're, you're talking about a little boy and this is, you haven't seen him in, in, you know, decades. Uh, you don't know what's best for him. Yeah. It, it, there is a, a clan bond of love like an unbreakable bond of love that they have for each other but like you said they don't know each other as humans at the moment and right. she doesn't well of course she thinks she knows what's best for Jamie but she doesn't know everything that Jamie and Claire have been through already oh, right <laughs> <laughs> then again I guess not many people do so <laughs> well, well, well one person does we are not we in that episode yet young lady <laughs> <laughs> but we can move right along and get there because the next episode is the false bride and the triumphant return of Roger and Bree to our screens. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited about them. I'm so happy about this entire season and seeing what happens with them. Um, but they may not have been the largest talking point of the season. Right, Uber? Um, well, uh, here's the thing. <laughs> I have so many feelings and thoughts about Roger and Bree. I really, really, really want to see more of Roger and Bree. And so far, the show is like they know it, and they've put that little worm on the hook, and they keep floating it right in front of my face, and they're like, oh, look! Here's Roger and Bree. And so we see Roger for a few seconds and then we see Bree for a few seconds. And I'm like, I want more. <laughs> 
Oh, and by the way, whenever they're in the car and she tells him that he's pretty, I have to agree with that 150%. I, I just, that sounds like something I would say. I was like, yes, go Brie. Tell him. And again, I haven't read the book. So when he acted the way he acted, when she turned down his proposal, that that surprised me to me that that came out of nowhere and i understand he's angry he's hurt he doesn't understand but the way that he acted i thought who are you that was that was so just i was i i love him but i'm super disappointed in my my beautiful child what are you thinking roger um i did love um i really really loved how both uh roger and brie and Jamie and Claire were in the exact same location yes. hundreds of years ago. Yes, Didn't yes, you yes, love yes, that? Yes. That a fantastic parallel. We, we saw, saw them driving down the road, and all of a sudden the road was uh, was wood. I'm like, gasp. Oh, yes. <laughs> I see what you did there. That's sneaky. I see what you did there. And for those of you who have not read the books, the location was changed ever so slightly for the show to make that the cool thing that it is. No, that's great. You know, and that's that's one thing. I'm I, I'm on book three right now, uh, mostly through book three. And what I really love is is that uh, everyone says, "Oh, uh, on on almost everything, oh, the book is always better." And I think that there are some times when I prefer the books interpretation of an event, and there's sometimes the show is better uh i'm i'm glad that you give me the insight heaven because i did not know that but i really like the the uh show's interpretation of that of that moment oh good hopefully that's not too big of a spoiler for those who are planning on reading the books and have not yet I think that's a, that's a teaser okay. more than a spoiler. I think so. I mean, look, uh, you you and I are, I don't know about you, Leanne, but <laughs> Evan and I are like the biggest spoiler phobes on the planet. <laughs> that's true. I get just as upset at the thought of spoiling somebody on accident as I yeah. do if somebody spoils me. <laughs> so. <laughs> so Roger and Bree as excited as we are for them as a couple, um, were not the only thing significant in that episode when Claire got knocked off her horse and had to spend the night in the woods. <laughs> Which I have to say, that, that's got to be one of my favorite parts of the season so far. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, I, I mean, I'm totally on board with the, the ghost. And where the ghost led her and that she found the pretty jewel. And that, for some reason, I don't know, that just touched my heart that the ghost led her right back to Jamie because otherwise they would have just kept going in circles and gotten nowhere with that. So I found that quite beautiful. And I feel like we get a little hint of the possibility that that ghost may have been a traveler as well. Anybody else get that? Yes, oh, with no. the fillings, with the fillings, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. With the filling, uh, the silver filling. Um, and then, of course, you have the significance of jewels of stones. Uh, one thing they established was that you needed a stone of some sort to travel uh, through the standing stones. Uh, Claire mentioned that when she traveled through Craig the Dune the first time that she had noticed that the stones in her watch were gone. Then when she came back from Craig the Dune right before the Battle of Culloden she 
uh, Jamie gave her his father's ring. But when she woke up back in uh, 1948, the, the stone was gone from the ring. So there is this continuity of stones and how important they are. So here we have this Indian ghost, and uh, Jane, uh, excuse me, Claire finds this this same gem, this same stone that he was wearing. Uh, so that suggests obviously another tie-in to him being a traveler. I'm excited to see how this one plays out, and if they let us know, and how much they let us know of other travelers and the possibilities of them being around. Other travelers in other locations like the one uh, at Craig Nadoon and then, of course, the one at the end of season three with the, with the pool. So, yeah. So I feel like uh, that leads us into episode four entitled Common Ground. So this is the one where they start building their home on Fraser's Ridge. Anybody have any favorite moments of that episode? Uh, I really loved that uh, throughout the episode, we are led to believe that, and I, this is this is very clever editing on the part of the of the people behind the scenes, very clever editing to suggest that one that it was a physical bear, and two that the Cherokees are sending the bear to attack the Fraser. That was sort of the implication by the way we see them chanting the bear's name and uh, over and over again, this spirit bear. And you're like, oh, they're sending them to, uh, sending the bear to attack the Frasers. And then you realize at the end, no, indeed, they, that is not the case at all. Uh, I just really thought that was clever editing. And then, of course, how Jamie very, very bravely brought uh, the body of this of this man this, uh, that attacked them. Yes. Now, one thing I that was that was super brave. I mean, there's just no way. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah, because like, that could have went man. a whole. Yeah, that could have went a whole different way. A yep. whole different way. He had no idea what they were going to do when he brought this this body to them. I don't but, think he ever even could have guessed that they would have been stoked, for lack of a more succinct word, that he did. Yeah. What he did. Uh, another key point, I think, from that episode that was uh, sort of the, the, the B story was my baby Roger and my baby Bree. And, of course, with you, there, there are children. We have to give them love. Uh, and and, uh, and the whole thing about the book, something that was sort of understated in the previous episode, uh, a book that Bree gives Roger. Hey, you know the history about Scots in Scotland? Yeah. Hey, oh, look. It's a book about Scots in North Carolina. And, you know, Roger's flipping through the pages and lo and behold, he starts putting two and two together and gets the requisite four and finds out that, in fact, whoa, J James Fraser, what, what, hey, uh, and starts putting things together. I just thought that was neat. I wanted more of it. Outlander, this is my official, <laughs> I'm stopping my foot down. I want more. Of Brie and Roger, please growl, snarl, hiss. Uh, and uh, but I love that uh, her giving him the book prompted this search that uh, led to him finding out that um, yay, you know, Frasers are in North Carolina. I also uh, loved that uh, we saw Fiona in uh, Scotland, that she and her 
Bo are taking over the home that he grew up in. I thought that was very sweet. Oh yeah, and that and that her grandmother had done more research, and of course found out something not so good, which we find out at the end of the episode. Yeah, I like how she says when he's trying to tell her something, and he's not completely saying it, and she goes, "Oh, you mean how Claire traveled back in time to find Jamie?" <laughs> I'm so glad you brought up that scene because the look yes. on his face when realizing that she knew was just awesome. <laughs> I was like, I say, huh? Traveling what? Huh? She's like, what are yeah, you talking about? No big deal. Just another day. Duh. <laughs> and then you think from Fiona's uh, perspective. Uh, this is what she grew up with. She grew up with these various stories. So to her, it wasn't as big of a deal, uh, given who, you know, her family is, you know, this is, this is sort of their thing. So yeah, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> yep. That's very true. And thinking back of seeing her in previous seasons, she's super chill and nonchalant about the whole thing. And we just don't find out until this season. Why? <laughs> Right. So we got a taste of Roger and Brie, making us hope that we're going to get more of them in episode five, entitled Savages, but we barely get more than a taste in Savages as well. <laughs> I, I feel like they're, they're punishing, they're punishing me, Evan. I feel attacked and I would like to again <laughs> state my my stomping foot demand for more. <laughs> I am throwing a tantrum and I want you to know about it, Outlander. Yes, yeah, stop separating the lovebirds. Please stop separating the lovebirds. <laughs> but well, I mean, well, speaking of separating the lovebirds, again, Jamie and Claire uh, are apart for an episode. And it's, it reminds me of back in season two when Claire said, you know, uh, Bad things happen when we're apart. Isn't she? Didn't she say that? And right, that was right before she loses her baby. <laughs> just everything right. falls apart. So I'm like, you all not know that you just should never go anywhere uh, in different directions. You know, you need to stay together all the time because bad things really do happen. Um, and of course, here we met the real savages of this episode. Uh, actually, in this case, savage. One savage in particular. Well, I think that's the cheeky thing that they do with their titles here because it's yeah. called Savages and you know who the Redcoats think the savages are, but the entire episode really gives us a feel and lets us question who really are the savages in this story, in our history. Right, and the funny thing is, is that here we see, obviously, Aaron Mueller was the true savage with what he did, how brutal he was, uh, murdering uh, Claire's friend. Agreed. Uh, and, and that was horrible. But on the flip side, as you point out, uh, very clever, because we see... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Murtaugh Fitzgibbons Fraser, uh, alive Yay! and well. <laughs> and, um, uh, I, there are a couple of points I wanted to make. I'll try to make them quickly so I don't eat up all the time. Uh, point one is I love the reunion scenes with him and Jamie and him and Claire. I thought both were very, very clever. Uh, I really love the one where he's singing uh, The Bugle Boy of Company B because that yes. was when they were when they were hunting for Jamie in season one, if you'll recall, 
they sort of took that song and he he Scottished it up uh, so that they could sing that a- across the highlands and it would be identifiable. So I really love how they tied that in. Uh, and the other thing was the fact that he is a regular. Um, uh, it was regular, 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 regulator. Regulator, that's right. I said regular, a regulator, and what how that shows who the true savages uh, in this wild land are. In fact, the redcoats are in fact the the very uh, proper British who are are treating everyone else as though they're the savages when it's really the British who are who are savagely defying any Scot of the land that they are owed. They're overtaxing. They're stealing things. They're the actual savages. They may think that they are, uh, you know, above it all. And they kind of sniff their nose at the, uh, they, just like they sniff their nose at the Highlanders. Uh, they sniff their nose. They're always above anyone, anyone, not them. So there you go. I just wanted to, I, I really wanted to make that point. So Discuss. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are really great points. I love it when Ian and Jamie walk into the Smithies <laughs> and Ian goes, Uncle, you can this old coot? I'm not even going to attempt an accent, but. Well, with Myrta, and who are you calling an old cheat? Well, I knew, I I mean, that voice, right whenever he was talking to young Ian, I said, <gasps> oh, my God. Oh. And then my other favorite line of the episode, when Murtaugh sees Claire, and like you said, he goes, it's not the Boogie Woogie Bugle Boy. I was like, yes. way to bring it back, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it opens the door because... Now, they're not on opposite sides. It's just that Murtaugh simply assumed that Jamie would be on his side because Murtaugh's right. They do need to stand against uh, oppression. And, and it's, of course, he of course he would assume Jamie would be on his side for this uh, because, of course. But Jamie's now thinking, I can't in all good conscience because I've got to take care of my family. I've got to protect them. Uh, obviously, I believe that it will come to a head at some point because there there's just no way for them to be on opposite sides of an issue that is so uh so deep it's too much of a it's too much of a divide and there's only so long probably that he can stay switzerland about it because he does tell jamie does tell murta i'm not gonna join you but i'm also not gonna stand in your way and i feel like that's a big point just because there's how long can he keep that stance with the uh, temperature on Fraser's Ridge. Right, right, exactly. (laughs) Is there anything else from this episode y'all would like to add? Well, I do want to point out that I was really glad that uh, Jamie told Murtaugh about Claire and that they got the, this is like the one person that he can talk to about how miraculous it is that his daughter is living in 1970 and 71 and she's okay. Uh, And of course there was the other sort of hint as to something else going on. I think that uh, uh, Murtaugh saw the, the um, candle holder that belonged to Ellen. Uh, And uh, I think that what Jamie wants to do is have that melted to make a, or a portion of it melted, sort of like how the key to Lollybrock, how they took part of the key, Jamie took part of the key in season one mm-hmm. and had 
turned and turned into the ring. I think he wants to replace the ring that was stolen by Stephen Bonnet and <laughs> and give Claire a new ring that is meaningful for their new home. So my that was I, I'm, I, that's not any spoiler. I haven't read anyone talk about it. I was just thinking about uh, wouldn't that make sense though? He'd want to give her a ring that meant home. Just like he did in season one. Well, very much yes. so. And they love their foreshadowing in Outlander. And you do see him put that into his bag at the very beginning of the episode before we even meet Murta. So I think right. you're onto something with that. And then Claire uh, by herself in the, <laughs> in the cabin and she's looking around and she's like, something's not here. <laughs> <laughs> So I love that. And then, of course, the last thing that we can talk about, which sort of leads into the next discussion, is what happened at the very end of the episode. Yes, oh. they're teasing us. They're teasing us. They're saying, hey, you notice something missing? Whatever we span back around to the front. Okay. I noticed something missing, so can we get to it? Can we see her in the 1700s? That'd be great. And and Outlander. My only problem (laughs) is that she's wearing 70s attire, not period attire. And I feel like she knows better. I think she tried. But (laughs) it's one of those, you know, what is that, ma'am? You tried. <laughs> but uh, but she saw what her mom did before traveling back. You could have tried a little bit harder. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying you need a, a one thousand pocket petticoat to take with you, but still. <laughs> well, see, and it wasn't it wasn't exactly planned planned either. It was one of those things where she felt like she had to go back, whereas Claire had the time to and the luxury to, you know, make the outfit and do this and do that. You know, with with Brie, it's the first time she's going back and she's in a hurry and she's got a purpose, not just, oh, I'm going to go find my lost love. Let me pack well, up. I mean, it has to be. I mean, at the same point, I, I hear you, but at the same point, it happened 200 years ago. Maybe you could take a couple of minutes to talk to a his to uh, a costume designer or a historian or try or look at a book and see if you can get something. I mean, I think tried, but but yeah. if you recall, time moves at the same pace 200 years in the past. So she could take a bunch of time, but then more time is going to pass for Claire as well, too. So she might really be feeling that sense of urgency. But, but the article that Fiona came up with did not have a deadline. It, it basically showed sometime within the 12 years, which sort of gives you a little bit of time. But at the same point, you don't know when it's during that uh, 12 years. So Leanne's right. There is a sense of urgency. We don't know when it's going to happen. It might be tomorrow. Yep, that's true. So, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for the next episode. <laughs> I want it, and I want it now. Right. Stomping foot, stomping foot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> now, here's what worries me. The next episode is called Blood of My Blood. The episode after that is called Down the Rabbit Hole. So here's my big fear, and I'm talking to you, Outlander. Please, please do not make us wait two weeks <laughs> to see Brianna in the 1700s. Please, please. Well, at least we get to look forward to Lord John Gray's return to our screen. Yes. I'm very yes. happy about that one. I feel like 
we didn't get enough of him in previous seasons. So I'm really excited to see what they do with him. But that and don't they show a tidbit of uh, Jamie's son as yep. well? William. I'm so excited about that part, too. <laughs> <laughs> I have read really? the books, so I try not to say too much. And you also never know exactly how they're going to, you know, treat everything. Because obviously you can't do a TV show exactly the same as a book. So at least part of it is a little mystery. But um, but that that interaction, I believe, will be a good one. Yeah, and the thing is, is that I I love how the books and the show complement each other. You can read the books and still watch the show and be surprised. Uh, like I said, I'm only on book three. Uh, I've been going through reading them. I'm on uh, near the end of book three, right when actually I guess the last third of book three, when uh, young Ian is kidnapped, and you can see all throughout there are things that are obviously some main points that are exactly the same. Like, uh, you know, uh, you know, Claire finding Jamie in the print shop, for instance, but they do it a little bit differently, but they do it close enough that it's it honors what we what readers would expect. And then there are things where they show sort of a flip side of it, like uh, season two with the whole journey in France in the books. We don't see much of of Charles Stewart, whereas in the show we see more of it. So I love how the books and the the TV show really complement each other. Um, and I'm scared to read book four before the end of this season because I don't want <laughs> I don't want to spoil myself. <laughs> so I'm suffering here. Leanne, Leanne, have you read any of the books? Because I'm a newly minted reader. Uh, so, um, I've read some of the first book. I have the first two books, but I haven't read uh, that much of it, to be honest with you. It's more of a time thing. It's not an interest thing. Trust me. If I had the time, <laughs> I would have read all of them. All of them. Oh, yeah. Well, I found uh, I can't read as much as I can listen, so I can. I tend to audiobook that kind of thing. So. Well... <laughs> I gotta say, I'm really enjoying this season so far. I am just on the edge of my seat for future episodes for us. And really appreciate you two coming together today so all three of us could do this podcast. It's been really fun recapping the last five episodes so far. And I think we should do it again at the end of the season. I'm on board. I, I agree. I do have one quick thing I want to say that I hope happens. <laughs> I really, really hope that Brie meets Jenny. I just really want to see that interaction. I just really, really, really want to see that interaction because if uh, Brie looks a lot like Jamie, Jenny is going to absolutely flip out. Lose <laughs> her mind. <laughs> <laughs> That was my hope. Do you two have your own hopes of something you want to see? You don't things that you don't know, you haven't read about, you're not spoiling anything. It's something that if you if you were writing the show, this is what I want to see. I just told you mine. Okay, go ahead. Do you have something either of you or uh, is it just me out there hanging with my own little hope? <laughs> no, I think that's a great one. I would love to see that as well. There's a small part of me that kind of wants them to have another baby. But um, I don't really think that's going to happen. But I think it would be kind of cool. <laughs> uh, 
Jamie and Jamie and Claire. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Roger and Bree would have read something about that by now if that had happened. But I still, you know, that's one of my secret wishes. But they're not necessarily, I mean, Jamie and Claire aren't really historical figures. I mean, Roger has to do a very deep dive to find their names anywhere. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think that it's possible. Well, I guess we shall just have to wait and see, eh? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you, everybody, for listening to today's short Nerdcast. We've really appreciated having you here with us. Please let us know any comments you'd like us to talk about next time. Let us know what you thought of the episode so far. And um, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> you just listened to the podcast Nerds of the Hub. Produced, recorded, and edited by the TV Series Hub team. If you want to read TV and film-related articles, reviews, and more, go to www.tvserieshub.tv. Also, follow us on Twitter and check our Facebook page, both at TV Series Hub. Send us a message. No, proudly.